Hello and welcome to the FEZ show. We've got quite a bit to talk about today because we've got a little bit of a Mexico review to do and then we'll be looking ahead to Syria, which will be happening in a couple of days time with me to discuss all the latest news and action ahead of this weekend's race is the one and only Mr. Jack Pickering and Edward Hunter. Boys, welcome in. Good evening. How are we? Uh, I'm good. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into uh, a, a, very, a very exciting uh, Mexico e Yeah, Yeah, I'm very, really looking forward uh, to, uh, well, I guess, looking forward with uh, these over my eyes in terms of Diria. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to Sao Paulo, and uh, I think uh, there's a lot to get stuck in in terms of Mexico, and I'll be sure to ban the letters P, I, and F from everything I say from now on. Good. Uh, glad to have it. But um, for you, though, you've, you've given yourself a little bit, you know, we're moaning about a seven-week break. You've given yourself a nine-week break um, to, to get used to Formula E, but as it is. But moving on, I think we should talk about Mexico, and we'll start with you, Ed, because obviously you went on the FE bar, um, so we'll get your views on, on Mexico. What did you think of the race? It wasn't a classic, um, but Valon winning, anyone who stood out for you, what, what did you make of the race? Yeah, it was an interesting one because I was watching it with uh, Joshua Birch and in commentary, uh, when we got to the duels, uh, they all thought, right, Jaguar front row, easy. And I sort of thought, well, I've got a good feeling about Pascal. Um, DaCosta's not done too well. He qualified at the back and we know what happened there, but he got on pole. Uh Led away at the start, uh, there was interesting with attack mode. We all sort of thought, watching it and uh, not knowing any better, that Boemi having saved an attack mode might have a chance at getting back in front of him after the safety car once he deployed it. But of course, uh, once he did it, they were just spinning the rear wheels and struggling to sort of get the traction down, essentially. So attack mode was kind of everyone wanted to get out of the way as soon as possible. So that affected it. But Pascal Verlein, you can't fault him. Flawless race. Uh, from start to finish, really. Uh, Nick Cassidy, I think he felt a bit annoyed by the one-place grid penalty as well. He felt he could have got by Buemi. There was a bit that wasn't caught on camera where Buemi went off at turn one almost and then came on right in front of Nick Cassidy. And Nick was a little bit annoyed about it over the radio by the sounds of things. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think a good sign is that we've got a good close fight between Jagger and Porsche for the rest of the season. Uh, your man, Maxi Gunther, did very, very well. I thought Jake Hughes went a bit under the radar in seventh as well. Those never are the two standouts. Down, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, it was fourth. So, I mean, he beat Mitch Evans, which uh, surprised everyone. Yeah. Mitch Evans was heavy steering that seemed to cause him issues near the end there. But of yeah, course, no, I... no overtakes in the end. I obviously don't say that about Mexico. He's an absolutely great guy. I love talking to him, but it's just like, it's hilarious now. But I still wanted to win the championship. I think it'd be brilliant to one day be proved right. Um, Pico, obviously we, sp- we spoke about it on the FE bar, but just give a brief recap. Anyone else that sort of caught your fancy there in terms of obviously Verlon, it was a great race, but in terms of the season now, like what what do you expect? I suppose it is the status quo, right? Yeah, I mean I mean we we weren't expecting a huge amount of change going in from season nine, season ten, purely because the power purely because the hardware is all the same. Uh yes, software change yes, they had software changes and um uh, and everything. And I think through that DS of have definitely caught up, and the fact that Max Gunter is on the board um, after the uh, after the first race, compared to when he only got in the board on the board from Berlin one uh, last season, and then went on to be one of the highest scoring uh, people over the course of the rest of the year, and so it's it, it's a good start for him, and whether he can mount a championship charge, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I, I think it was good to see Norman Nato. He was he was on pace with Jake Dennis. They they both ended up 
I think it was seventh in their respective qualifying sessions. I know that Dennis, yeah. uh, Dennis backed out of his final lap. But yeah. um, well, I definitely but, agree with, yeah. with NATO though, hundred percent. Like I thought he was amazing. I thought he did a really good job. Was stuck with Dennis, even though you could have said Dennis had a poor qualifying. NATO maybe could have done better because Dennis didn't get that final lap in Pico. But well, um, in terms, of the, in terms of the race, it was good. That's how out qualified Dennis. Um, yes, because but... of the. Because, but that's because of the whole. Still didn't make the jewels though. But Dennis would have made. Yeah, yeah. Dennis would have made the jewels. Started on the left hand side instead of the right hand side. So, Dennis, uh, had he not had that, uh, had he not backed out on his final lap, then who knows what would have happened. But um, but yeah, I think it's um, I I I don't think we're going to see the exact same story as we did last year. It's one of the main reasons why I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, one um of the one. Power, one powertrain over the over two seat, yeah, two year cycle. That's what I was trying to go for. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be um, uh, it'll be interesting regardless. And yeah, uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it. It always produces um, uh, some good. It always produces some good racing. I'm thinking of think of Edo a couple of years ago when um, he overtook two cars on the inside, then the outside within about five seconds of each other down that long straight and. Yeah, it, and so yeah, Deary is always going to be a good one. I don't think we're going to see uh, Pascal take both of them like we saw last year, but uh, yeah, Pascal is definitely in a strong position because of the the three races that start started the season last year, the one that he didn't win, he has won this time. Yeah, indeed, and I, I think obviously he's already got ten point cushion in the championship, so it's just it's now, you know, Porsche have said in terms of their qualifying and that was the thing that they wanted to work on Ed and and I suppose for Verline if he can work on his qualifying and if Porsche's qualifying isn't still an issue if he can be in the jewels again then surely he's in he's in a good chance and a good position to to potentially extend that lead or keep a good chunk of it going into going into Sao Paulo yeah, we uh, we have been here before last year, didn't we? Where he was getting good results, was qualifying relatively well at most races in the first part of the season, then fell off uh, in the second half. Uh, Porsche were basically quali- never really making the duels that often, uh, not often enough, at least anyway. So, but over the winter break, it looks like Pascal has has worked on a lot of things. Obviously, he became a father. There's you know pictures of his daughter celebrating his win at home and hugging. Oh, there's dad on the TV. And there's obviously when he celebrated, got out of the car, there was a little handprint on the top of the helmet that his daughter had made, which I thought was a really lovely touch that Pascal got up very slowly and uh, bent over and pointed to it, which was a nice little gesture to his family. So he just seems in a, in a really good place towards the end of last year. He sort of lost his way a bit. And we, we saw it a couple of times, didn't we, in his seasons with Porsche, where something would go wrong, like Monaco season eight comes to mind, where he had the inverter powertrain issue, where it shut down right as he was leading. And he just, you interviewed him, didn't he, PK? He seemed utterly dejected after that. And obviously season nine towards the end of the season, it, it felt a little bit like deja vu again, where he felt the championship had gotten away from him, but he was putting a brave face on it saying, we still got some good wins. We still put together a decent championship challenge. We'll be back and better next season. And full credit to him. He's delivered on that, uh, but Jaguar are going to be strong. We saw how much they developed last season. And although there's going to be diminishing returns on the software, there's no reason not to think Jaguar are going to be well in the mix uh, in the remaining races this season. Yeah, for sure. I, I really do think Dario will, will spice things up and it'll be interesting to see where we are in terms of the season going on, on the exit of Dario and in, in terms of how teams performed. I think we'll have a really good gauge on, on how this championship is going to go leaving Saudi Arabia. I want to talk a little bit about Mexico because obviously it wasn't a classic race. And Ed, I'll come back to you on this because as I said, we, we heard a little bit from Pico in 
um, in the FE bar, but this is kind of new. We didn't discuss this. Uh, attack mode. Um, obviously, it's in the stadium section. I think it's in the stadium section for one reason, one reason only, because that's where all the fans are. But it is not a great place for attack mode. And you think now when they've added that section with the hairpin, you'd probably think the hairpin is probably the best place for attack mode because, you know, there isn't much changes. The gap for attack mode um, isn't great. But then overtaking in, in Mexico isn't great either. But could potentially moving attack mode, do you think that could maybe do something to, to spice up the racing in Mexico? I don't know. I don't think the location of the attack mode was the problem. The problem was it was so dusty offline because it's obviously those parts of the circuits that re-tarmac that aren't used for Formula One or any of the other series that uh, visits uh, Autodrama Hermanos Rodriguez. So uh, it's it's a it's a difficult one. I think also the Gen 3 cars, we saw this last year, it was season nine at Mexico as well. Jake Dennis basically ran away with it at the front and main the battles were behind as Degrassi was struggling with the energy management and it doesn't look like the Mahindra powertrain made by ZF has, has gotten any better, particularly in the in the off-season, although the noises come from the drivers. Nick DeVries seemed uh, interestingly quite, kind of upbeat, which was, was interesting. But anyway, going back to attack mode, uh, I think it, it's very, very circuit-dependent here. I sort of agree, though, that the stadium isn't the right place for it, I think. I, I, I agree that the outside of a hairpin like we have at circuits like Hyderabad comes to mind where obviously we had Sam Bird going 10-pin bowling there last year and obviously we're not getting there at all this year for reasons we talked about before. But uh, but it comes to mind that, that and a couple other circuits as well uh, do and London as well has it on the outside of a hairpin usually as well. Uh, I, I think that's the more obvious place where you're almost where there's a bit more risk to going offline and you're definitely going to lose the position. Whereas in Mexico, if you time it right, you can just about uh, do it without losing any positions. Like we saw with Robin Frines right before he uh, crashed into the wall and uh, didn't make any contact at all with Ed Ido Mortara. So uh, so that was probably the most dramatic thing that happened in that section the entire race because otherwise it was people nearly making a move as they got into the Forosol Stadium. So it's great to see the fans there. It's great that we have that go that part of the circuit that goes onto the uh, full Peraltada, which I absolutely love. It's easily the most exciting bit in qualifying, which people just must look through the final corner. But I agree in the race we need to we need to rethink uh, we need to rethink a lot of things about Hermano Rodriguez. I think in the future for Gen three point five as well. Yeah, in terms of Pico, you know, like the drivers before the race, right? We're like, oh, high altitude, it's gonna be. We're not gonna see a Portland. They 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 know what race they they're installed for, um, which I don't think's great. Like the drivers are so that they're prepared, they understand, which is good that they understand it. But I think from a sporting side, in terms of them wanting to have this show, remember when we were talking about Attack Charge, right? Now, like, oh, we have this great show, and we love the show, and we don't want to spoil the show um, with Attack Charge, but then it felt like Mexico was like, people were like, actually, maybe we need Attack Charge to spice it up, maybe that could have, that might work better for Mexico, um, for example, because yes, we do get the crazy races, but then we get the races like this, but it's interesting that the drivers are going, it's because of the, the specific conditions that are in place with the altitude and so forth being at high up and the way the track's laid out means that we ain't going to see much overtaking. We're not going to see much. And I'm like, um, so I don't know what form we can do with that because Mexico is a purpose-built track. You can't really tackle too much changes to the track. But is that something that maybe Formula E have got to think about when they introduce these, um, you know, when we go to Shanghai, for example, um, it'd be interesting to see how uh, the racing's like there. You'd think there's going to be more opportunities to overtake because it's a bigger track. There's... Um, there's a lot of corners, there's a lot of opportunities to overtake in Shanghai compared to Mexico, if we think historically with Formula One, 
But do you think maybe when they're thinking about these tracks that we are going to now, and it looks like that we'll probably be going to more and more as the future goes on, but modified circuits like Mexico that, you know, they, they really find a layout that can actually work for the series. Yeah, I think it's I think it's obvious that the track layout hasn't written, well as as much as I prefer the current layout to what we had in seasons two through five, uh, it's two through six. Sorry, I think yeah we went to season six, Mitch won. Um, but yeah, I, as much as I prefer the current layout to what we had then, the racing it 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 doesn't produce as good a racing. I think the fact that we've had to in- reintroduce that chicane. Uh, on the back straight uh, for safety reasons, because obviously um, going down the back straight, there's not much there's not much runoff um, uh, before they go into the stadium section. Uh, I think that they do need to look at the circuit layout in Mexico and change something, if not for Gen three, Gen three point five, but definitely for Gen four. I think that they could have some options and some options that would dramatically change it from anything that uh that the circuit has, has ever run before uh, i think that's what formula restarted with when they went there uh and tried it with this new layout and i think that i think that there is the opportunity to try it again but i think it's the layout but also i've heard like drivers saying it's it's about the energy as well that they're starting with too much energy but even then they're starting with even less energy than they did last year. Admittedly, last year had, I think it was four, four more laps more, including the yeah. Yeah, 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 something like that. But um, but even uh, but yeah, even then, it's um, yeah, even then they're using thirty. They I believe they use thirty eight and a half kilowatts of power, um, throughout the entire race on Sunday, when they've got a power unit that um. The, and the battery stores 57, I think it is, kilowatts of yeah. power. Which, I think it's interesting, right? Because when you say, because yes, they did reduce the energy, right? And I'm thinking, oh, what about the full track then? There you go, oh yeah, that's long, straight though, too long, but you could pull Ricard it. Could pull Ricard Portland. it. I think that could, no, no, yeah, but you. But what I mean is you could pull Ricard it in terms of, you know, on the back straight, there's the chicane, they don't all do, do the run through like they did in F1. You could add the chicanes in like they do in, in, in Mexico, because obviously... Turn one, two, there's a really good opportunity for a bit of regen. You've only got another straight, another chicane, and then it's another braking zone before you go around and do the fast loop and back onto the Formula E circuit, effectively. I wonder, and maybe it's just a question of both of you hypothetically here, how far do you think Formula E are away to potentially, if they wanted to, use a full Mexico, use a full China. Do you think that's a Gen 4 target, a Gen 5 target by the end? It's like we're using these modified circuits, but then if we use the full circuit layout of Mexico, then there is regen opportunities in there. You could add a chicane down the front straight like they do in Valencia. Um, you know, it might not be a great overtaking position, but at least you get an extra chance to, to, to regen. What are the odds? Do you think Formula E are aiming to one day potentially race? Barring, bearing in mind, I know you're thinking lap times to F1, but really and truly, we should go. Look, we're not competing with F1. We just want to show that we kept, we've gone from modified tracks to actually racing on the full track with maybe one or two adaptations and show look how much progress we've made. Because I think that would show more progress with electric mobility than Q3 
keep racing on modifying circuits? And that's the question both of you just just out of curiosity that yeah, we've been I, speaking about. I think I think I agree with the fact that I uh, that the using a using a more modern uh you well using the full circuit will help uh uh will, will help the and the justification of uh, everything is actually said attractive. But the thing is we just we'd have to push it like that is one of the longest straights on the Formula One calendar. That that straight is the straight that holds the record for the highest top speed in Formula One by Valtteri Bottas in 2016, I think it was. Um, That's right. Yeah, and so yeah, it's 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 the longest straight in Formula One. And the thing is, we we tried putting a chicane at turns one and two the first time we went to Mexico. Yeah, we did, and that went. That went down really well, didn't it? Should we should we get Sebastian? <laughs> remember and, Nelson should we get Sebastian Jr. as well? Jerome on? Yeah. yeah, let's get Nelson to see what he thought remember, about that chicane yep, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, perfect. That? That's why in season three that they changed it. They changed it yeah. so that so that it was more of like a flip because that chicane was just awful. And that's the th- that's the thing. My worry is that we will see these just horrible little chicanes i'm not a fan of the valencia chicane um i i, I it, but the thing is, it's used in testing i'm yeah. fine i'm fine it's being used in testing i didn't like it when we used it in season seven but when we went yeah. to pueblo a couple of years ago now that is a normal circuit yep it's fine and they stuck how many barriers around the circuit for yeah. advertising and tightening corners yeah honestly it didn't look great and yeah and so that's that's what i'd think of and i was i was actually surprised they didn't do more of that in portland when we went there and the only yeah. bit that they actually did was turn one so they couldn't cut it like the IndyCar drivers do but then, as i said formula e would never win because you know then we, if we go into these tracks which are maybe because there's some in germany as well maybe the saxon ring or something like that i'm just trying to think of um smaller circuits there yeah, saxon ring is what i think i think i think like we need to go back to france yeah le mans bugatti circuit maybe come on come on but then the again le like, I, let's yeah. do it the le mans Prix, that could be quite good i do i do think i do agree uh, and that's another story in itself that in terms of like looking at calendars and because uh, obviously like the Madrid news has come out um, today. Well, yeah, I think it was today or yesterday um, uh, with Formula One. Um, and obviously you're thinking, oh, that's what that's what uh, Formula E should be doing in terms of going to Madrid and so forth. But uh, it, it's really weird at the moment that it seems like the the opposite is going uh, yeah. with that one. But the only thing I want to talk about, um, Ed, you can you can you can talk about that if you want to as well. But the only thing I wanted to bring up, uh, just time wise, was these one place grid penalties. The first time I think we saw these one place grid penalties. I just want to get your thoughts because obviously Van Dorn, Evans, and Cassidy got these one place grid penalties for red flag infringements, and that could happen again um, in Dario if a red flag happens in practice. Probably more likely to happen uh, in, in in these practice sessions. What did you make of those one place grid penalties, Ed? They were. I think it's a it's an element of they hadn't fought through the attack charge rules because they had to get the a practice of doing the recharging in in a, a end of FP one and that was when Jake Hughes crashed. So obviously it's a bit of force majeure for Jake Hughes because he crashed so he couldn't use it. But uh, but the, but we had those two Jaguars of Evans and Cassidy and Van Dorn come in and use it. And the rules specifically says if there's a red flag, you got to go 
back in the pits. They don't necessarily see if you go back in the garage without using attack charge. So it's a bit that when they introduced attack charge, they did they just didn't think through that sort of scenario. So they it was sort of kind of well we have to penalize it a little bit but it is also sort of a slap on the wrist rather than a 10 place group penalty which would have destroyed all their races because it's just so difficult to overtake uh, Hermanos Rodriguez this year especially uh, they DM a one place penalty so uh, I uh, I think uh, I, I think it was sort of it was good that they didn't over penalize them but I still feel uh, that it's it's an element that they, they should have written the rules a bit better planning this in advance because i don't really think either of those teams did anything wrong at jaguar or ds penske to be honest because they like i said they had to get that tank charge in and in terms of the circuits uh i, I don't know i feel like it would have to you have to have to change the entire philosophy uh that these uh generation formerly cars are built around i think uh because they're built mainly for street circuits we, we, in terms of progressing we have monaco that was originally a bridge one it should really have been the full circuit in the first place in my opinion but yeah we have we already had a bit of graduation from the street circuits the Formula E started with. And I think if, uh, I think if, like you say, with Formula One and Madrid, uh, the the reason Formula E can't do something like that is because it doesn't have the political will and the support to make something like that happen. Whereas Formula One, you can say, oh, well, loads of bums will be on seats. We'll sell, we'll, we'll sell out loads of tickets and, uh, and, and we'll get lots of TV coverage for it. Whereas Formula E can't exactly boast the, the same thing at the moment, especially when it's on uh, TNT Sports, sadly, in the UK. Uh, but anyway, without wanting to go, be too down uh, on anything, I, I, I think um, the trajectory we've got with potentially, um, Degrassi was talking about using a bit of four-wheel drive in Gen 4, maybe, uh, and some of the other stuff. I think there's there's some improvements technologically that could come along, but uh, uh, we'll have to see, I think, what the circuits uh, end up being like. I think hopefully they can modify some of the ones they've got already rather than having to look for completely new circuits where it might be difficult to get you know, people that just go all the way to Donington, for example, to watch Formula League. They would, well, I mean, back in the first season when we had those tests, yeah, absolutely. But now it's been so long, I doubt we'd maybe get the same audience that would be willing to go out their way to go to uh, Donington. Oh, well, example. it's a racetrack, and, and Donington is in the middle of the country, which is not Yeah, it's too not too bad. far away from the airport, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, it's it. not, as I said, it's, it's not too bad far. Example. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I get your point, though, and I still, but I know we're talking about about circuits here, but I still want Formula E to have street tracks. Like I still think that's part of his DNA. So um from what Ed was saying there, then Pico, which was quite interesting, uh with the red flags, um obviously they had to simulate the attack charge. So just to no confusion, no attack charge pit stops were actually done. There was no charges involved. But in FP1 they were simulating um the movement. So obviously they were simulating the movements of the attack charge when in the red flags each rather than going straight to the garage. And then obviously they simulated then wheeled it into the garage. So they got one place grid penalty. But Pico, so it looks like I'm assuming from that that potentially we might not see these one place grid penalties again this season. But do you think it might be a good idea, for example, speeding under red flag or something like that? You know, when they get this fine, maybe they get fine and a one place grid penalty or something like that, just to, you know, just to, a bit more of a slap on the wrist. Would you like to see that? Because I, you know, I think that could be something good, you know, actual properly penalize something for a red flag. Yeah, I think the introduction of one place grid penalties, I think, is a really solid idea. Actually, I think that they've um, they've uh, smashed it out of the park with this one. Uh, I think uh, in terms of other series, I I I wouldn't want to see it, but I think with Formula E it works. I mean, like it because it's such a truncated format and everything gets a, and 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 everything it it everything's a little bit more pressure because everything happens within twenty four hours. Um, Obviously, they they moved P one to Friday night, and that's what they have done since the start of season nine. 
but uh, with the exception of Monaco, because uh, they can't shut the roads on Monaco on a Friday, but they can for F1. So, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I I I feel that um, yeah, I I feel that yeah, because it's quite a pressured in, uh, environment to do everything all in one day. I feel like one place penalties are actually quite fair. They they work. They work. Yeah, I agree, especially for these infringements and 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 so forth, and just like these little technical nuances, or uh, I, even if they went over three hundred kilowatts in a practice session, like a one place grid penalty, like that's fine. Like I know it's annoying. You could say that it's all sporting and 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 you it's affecting qualifying. And it's a lot of things to think about. But I thought, for especially under speeding on the red flag. So if you had any speeding incidences on the red flag, I thought that was a nice little, you know, where you're going to lose a place in, on the grid um, by doing that. So I, I thought that was a solid idea. But I think we've talked Mexico. I know we've, we, we've, we've talked lots. Um, so I think we're going to look ahead to Diria. And I think Diria will be a, a really... I think these two races are huge. I really do. I think they it's going to set, I think, Ed, the standard in terms of right. Is Porsche, are Porsche really going to attack Jag? Is Jag going to run away with these two races? Are DS actually going to be competing? Can they do something? And where are the Nissans? I think we're going to get two races here where I think when we leave, we're going to have a much clearer picture and a much clearer understanding of who our title rivals are. It might all still be all three, by the way, but or whether or not we might say actually DS not for them Nissan aren't going to do much not going to challenge they're not going to be too surprising I think you know if Jake Dennis and uh, or or surprisingly Norman Natto does well you know he might be a surprise contender for a title for example I think we'll we'll leave Diria in a position where we'll go actually yeah there's there's a lot we can learn there's a lot we can take yeah, it's certainly going to be more representative of what we're going to see uh, potentially for the rest of the season, leaving aside the software development race, such as it is, and leaving inside, you know, other stuff I want to say, which I won't about Diria. But uh, <laughs> in terms of the competitive order, uh, I don't see any reason not to expect Pascal to still be quite strong. I think, like you mentioned in the FE uh, Bar show, De Costa has got to really, uh, like Nick Golding said, he's got to show up in Diria. I think there's a lot of pressure on him, particularly. Uh, in terms of whether the likes of DS Nissan can uh, can get one over, uh, I, I think DS will perform a bit stronger in the Maserati and and in the factory DS Penske's uh, than we saw at Diria last year, where they were still struggling. They were still getting on top of their package, weren't they? And all they were like a three of the four uh, of those pad cars were in the points, with the exception of Jay Handerovler, who's still you know learning Formula E. So I think there's a we can only be so, expect so much from him when, it, like you say, he has to learn everything in a day, and it's essentially a little bit of a baptism of fire for him. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Nissan and McLaren, Jake Hughes got a pretty decent result, and the other Nissans were basically uh, just outside the points in the form of Bird and Roland and Fenestras. And Fenestras was a little bit unlucky that attack mode, uh, the strategy for Nissan didn't quite pan out his way. So I think that Nissan has got good quality pace still, but whether it's got the efficiency in the race, uh, especially in a circuit where you can overtake quite easily, like Diria, I think that remains to be seen. As for uh, Mahindra and uh, ERT, I think it's a case of survival for them, especially ERT with Sede Camaro's, I think it was his inverter or something that's been undiagnosed that blew up uh, before the starting grid in Mexico. So I think they've got reliability issues and Mahindra, they've just not got the pace. But uh, I think uh, Nico Muller, who was the, he's kind of the new underdog of Formula E, uh, nearly got on the jewels as well. I think he could spring a few surprises. I'd say watch out for him. Yeah, Muller, for sure. I think obviously... 
Pico, like Diria, as Ed said there, like it's much easier to overtake, and especially going into I think it's turn eighteen where the attack mode um zone is. Uh, we always see overtakes. We always see something going on there. So power energy saving will be will be interesting. And 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 those with the better powertrains and the better software, I suppose, this year that can we did see in Mexico that really and truly the energy management gap was kind of um, neutralized. However, I thought it was really interesting that Andretti out of all the teams could have done another lap. Right, uh, they had four percent going into the final lap of the race compared to everyone's two percent. So I don't know why they ended up. I don't know what was their strategy. Maybe for a last ditch, try and see if they could flat out overtake people in the final lap, but it didn't work out for them. But if Andretti and the Porsche powertrains, because they are Porsche powertrains, can get that percentage advantage in in Diria, that was the only thing that I thought caught my eye in Mexico going into this race. Then you could argue, okay. Andretti did do it in Mexico. If they can do it again in Diria, surely they're in pole position. Well, we saw that as well with um, I think it was Jev on the back of Mitch. It was it was sort of a bit like um, uh, it was sort of a bit like in uh, Hyderabad last year when uh, Cass was um, Cass was um, fighting Jev for the win. That Jev had far far more power, a couple percent more power than. What I think had. it was the other way around. Yeah. I think you've got this the other way around. I think Jev was leading the race, right? He had 1% of energy. No, 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 no. I'm on about Mexico. Yes, okay. in Hyderabad, it was Jev in the leading oh, okay. cast second. Yes, yes, yes. But in okay. Mexico City, it was uh, Mitch who was fifth and Jev who All was right. sixth. Got you, got and you, got you. Jev okay, had, Jeff had 3% more power. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, uh, and so, yeah, it was... Um, and the thing is, it gets to a point in the race where you go flat out and you can't really do anything anymore. And so, and so that that's what Formula E is at the moment. And whether you're whether you're liking these like sort of races like we had in Berlin and Portland last year, or whether you whether you don't, I preferred Mexico if I'm completely honest. But um, but yeah, I think um, uh, but yeah, it 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 just gets to a point where you you can't really do anything and you are just stuck in a train and that's what happened in the final few laps of of um uh, of Mexico and so i i think diria we're going to see a better representation of what formula e is usually like so i'm yeah, looking and forward thing, to that and i know these are professional racing drivers but there's one other factor that will play a part and that's the wolves Right, and we saw Gunther last season. Obviously, started this season with a crash in FP1 in Mexico, but he crashed in in Diria last season as well, um, in one of the practice sessions. And you just think to yourself, you know, a, a mistake. This is the beauty of Formula E and the beauty of it being on street tracks. And I think this is why I love it so much, Ed. Is that a mistake? It's costly, and you know whether or not you know a mistake in qualifying could see you out of the race. So yes, it's getting get right, but. Making sure you stay within those within those barriers because Gunther's had a great start of the season. He can't afford, for example, another crash in Dario setting him back. Yeah, and uh, I actually saw that crash for the first time in the recent uh, Unplugged documentary that was about James Rossiter and his uh, up and down season last year and that difficult start that they had where the Maseratis were crashing out of almost every race, it felt like. Uh, but, but yeah, Gunther... Uh, I think he'll quickly cast the, that crash out of his mind. He nearly got on the podium here for BMW before he got taken away due to using attack mode under the safety car that one time, uh, supposedly. I'm going secondhand here. Like I said, never seen it. Uh, but but yeah, I 
I think uh, it also makes the mechanics bigger heroes as well. I remember Robin Fryens had a massive crash in Hong Kong one year in qualifying, and then they just about repaired it in time for the race using duct tape, spit, and prayers, essentially. And so that is something we love to see, mechanics sort of beating the odds and getting a completely wrecked tub or a new tub entirely out and putting all the bits on that they need uh, and getting them screwed up in time uh, with the bolts and stuff just to... Uh, just to make the call for the for the uh, getting on the starting grid, and that that's a really underrated sort of a uh, side of formula that uh, we should celebrate more. The sort of engineering side of it, yeah, for sure. Because um, you know, say like Dennis, for example, Pico. Like if if there was a wall there when he made his lockup in Mexico, you know, you're giving your team a bit of a job to do before the race. And theory, apart from potential, I think the the final corner and um the, the chicane where the attack mode section is, it's pretty much all walls. So um, I just I it's, it'll be good to see a Formula E race at a street circuit with walls. I think I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that rather than a street track uh, rather than a normal circuit. Well, the one that comes to mind was I think it was in Valencia when we did the race there. It was in qualifying. Anyone who went wide got their lap times deleted because on a normal Formula E track that would be a wall, and that's that's understandable and. Yeah, uh, it, it's all about being precise in, in, in Formula E and, and especially in Mexico where if you'd put one wheel out of line then that was uh, then that was you going wide and um, ending up in the barrier in, in Robin's case. But um uh but yeah it's uh but yeah I theory is much more representative of what Formula E usually is. I know that this year we're going away a bit more from the um from the street circuits i don't mind if they're in the city because it's city racing that's the point of formula e but you know misano um misano just is a bit yeah yeah we're interested to see right so let's let's wrap up um the show um and start thinking about who we think is going to come out on top in Diria. i'm really looking forward to this i think you know we had a bit of a slow start uh, it, uh, in the season for with Mexico, it wasn't a classic, but I, I do think Diria will provide us with some two amazing races. I really do. I think the track's brilliant, and I just, I just, I honestly think I think previous seasons that we've always had good races at Diria, and I think we're in for another one. And I think because it's so close, it's going to be incredible. Pico, I will come to you first. For me, I'm going to go. Who am I going to go with? Um, I'm going to go. Right, I've been, I've been, I'm in an ring about this man, but Antonio thinks the Costa will win one of the races, and Nick Cassidy will get a second. So I reckon I'm going to go for the Costa. Well, it doesn't matter which, whoever wins. I don't care. I'm not putting a bet. This one for Saturday, this one for Sunday, or Friday and Saturday. The Costa and Cassidy will win one of the two races. Pico, guess which? Guess which two names I was thinking of? The Costa yeah. and Cassidy. I was thinking. Of but you could say the same. Yeah, I feel no, like the Costa. Like, yeah. Yeah. You if you go, go for, for if you go for one on the Friday, then one on the Saturday, and I'll do the reverse. Uh, so right then, I, I'm going to it's going to be on the Saturday. The Costa, the Costa, because I think Porsche will have the early advantage, and then Jaguar will catch up overnight, and okay. Cassidy for the Saturday. So I'm going Nick Cassidy for Friday, <laughs> and Antonio Felix da Costa for Saturday. Yeah, I, I I just think it's really interesting. I just it's just. Nick Cassidy's quick, right? And I thought yep. it was a big, good debut, right? Solid, great driver. Will be a champion in Formula E if he's not so, a bit like Mitch Evans. You don't understand how Mitch Evans isn't a champion, but Cassidy, he thinks, got to be a champion. And the cost, you think, like, one day it's going to click. One day it's going to click. And then, you know, and that, and Diria could be that day. Ed, 
I know you won't be watching, but who's your money on? Well, I'll probably be listening to someone else commentating on it in the background while I do the washing up or something else. Uh, the glamorous life of a Formula E coverage, man. Uh, but anyway, I'll go for Jake Dennis for the Friday race uh, in the Andretti, and I'll go for John Eric Verne uh, just to do something a bit left field because uh, I think he went really under radar in Mexico, and I think DS Penske, uh, never count them out. Very true, and obviously, get your get your bets on Ed's bets. He got the champion right last season, and no one would have fought Jake Dennis at that point at the time. I went Jake is, Dennis so. again for the win, and that was wrong. And, and <laughs> his, in his well, yeah, true, but still, still, I would put your bets in. He's right more times than he's wrong because it's one one. <laughs> uh, he's probably got more wrong actually in the in the last couple of podcasts, but we don't we didn't track his answers actually, but we we can track his um. We can track his championship win. And I suppose that you got that one was pretty impressive. Boys, thank you so much uh, for the show. Enjoy Diria Pico. Uh, we're watching yeah, it. Well, and Ed, enjoy, enjoy Diria, Ed. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy yeah. The See you in up. Sao Paulo. See you in Sao Paulo. <laughs> right. Also, before we go, remember the FE bar will return on Monday after the race where you can get your calls and, and, and call us and have your say on the show. We look forward to seeing you there on Monday. Thanks so much for watching. See you soon. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,